One of the interesting things about America is that our founding fathers came from diverse backgrounds. Eight of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were born outside of the colonies. And with that being said, the founders born in the colonies also had very different lives. Those from South Carolina would have had different ideas and experiences than those from New York. Alexander Hamilton, for example, was born on the Caribbean island of Nevis. Hello, friends, and welcome to Episode 4 of the History Revolution Podcast. This week, we would like to wish a happy birthday to Alexander Hamilton. Before we get started, though, remember to go to thehistoryrevolution.com slash Hamilton to download your free podcast companion. Now let's learn about Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton was born on January 11th, but what year? That is up to debate. He was born in Nevis, which is in the British West Indies. In 1765, his father, James Hamilton, abandoned his family. His mother, Rachel, opened a shop to support them, and Alexander went to work as a clerk for successful merchants from New York. In 1768, Alexander's mother, Rachel, passed away. This is where the discrepancy in the year of his birth comes into play. Official Nevis documents show a birth year of 1755. However, Alexander himself claimed a birth year of 1757. It's believed that Hamilton did this on purpose to make himself appear younger and more desirable for potential apprenticeships. Regardless, he was born on January 11th. Alexander had impressed the merchants with his work ethic and performance, and after his mother's death, his employers took him in and he was soon promoted. He was able to improve himself above his station through hard work. His employers were so impressed with him, in fact, that they sent him to further his education in America. He first attended a prep school in New Jersey, and in 1773, he went on to attend King's College in New York. King's College is what we now know as Columbia University. The colonies at this time were beginning to boil over with the ideas of independence and revolution. Hamilton immediately became a supporter of the American colonist protest against British oppression. When war was imminent between the colonies and Great Britain, Hamilton received a commission as a captain in the provincial artillery and organized his own company. He proved his leadership and value at the battles of Trenton, 2nd Trenton, and Princeton. He impressed George Washington enough that Washington made him an aide-de-camp and promoted him to lieutenant colonel. Alexander Hamilton, though still very young, became one of General Washington's most trusted advisors, and Washington became like a father to Hamilton. Hamilton would serve on Washington's staff for four years, but eventually he became frustrated by the lack of action. He repeatedly asked Washington for a field commission. He craved battlefield glory. Washington knew his value as an advisor, so he repeatedly denied his request. Hamilton was relentless, though. He and Washington ended up having an argument or disagreement, and Hamilton left Washington's staff. However, they remain very close, and Washington does give him command of a battalion. Hamilton would go on to play a pivotal role in the Battle of Yorktown. After the war, Hamilton would go back to New York and become a lawyer. He was famous for defending loyalists that were being oppressed. Loyalists were those who remained loyal to King George and Great Britain during the war. 
Now, after the war, laws were passed to disenfranchise loyalist voters, to disbar loyalist lawyers, and allowed loyalists to be sued for trespassing during the war. So what does all that mean? Disenfranchising means that laws were passed specifically to make it illegal or harder for a certain group of people to vote, in this case, the loyalists. Disbarring means that loyalist lawyers were no longer able to practice law. Hamilton was specifically defending loyalists against the Trespass Act. New York was under British control for most of the war. In fact, New York is where the last British troops departed from after the war. When patriots returned after the war, they found that, that loyalists had moved into their homes and businesses. The Trespass Act allowed loyalists to be sued for compensation for the use and damage of their property. Hamilton's defense of loyalists being sued under the Trespass Act helped establish due process in America, led to the trespass being repealed, and led to other laws directed at loyalists being repealed as well. Alexander Hamilton's years of service on Washington's staff showed and frustrated him about the inefficiencies and ineptitude of the American government. During the war, the colonies were very loosely joined together. The Continental Congress had very little power when it came to financing the war. The same was true after the war under the Articles of Confederation, which Hamilton was against from the beginning. Congress had very little authority when it came to taxing or financing the fledgling nation, and Hamilton supported a strong central government. Hamilton served as a delegate from New York several times after the war, including at the Constitutional Convention. The Articles of Confederation were clearly not working as written, and they either needed to be fixed or replaced altogether. Hamilton supported replacing them. Hamilton had very little to do with writing the Constitution, but he should be given credit for fighting harder than anyone to get it ratified, especially in New York. Alexander, again, was a staunch Federalist, believing in a strong federal or central government that would hold power over the individual states. His own plan was for the federal government to have unlimited powers over the states. Now, thankfully, it didn't go that far. The Constitution was written and passed by the Constitutional Convention, but it needed to be ratified or approved by the 13 states in order to become the law of the land. Hamilton, as well as James Madison and John Jay, would write the Federalist Papers. The Federalist Papers were a collection of 85 essays in support of the Constitution that were printed in New York newspapers. Hamilton wrote two-thirds of the essays himself. The Federalist Papers helped gain the support of the American people for ratifying the Constitution. Hamilton himself served as a delegate at the New York Ratification Convention. He expertly argued for the benefits of the Constitution, even though it did not go as far as he would have liked in giving the federal government power. He was able to sway the convention in the Constitution's favor, even though it was seemingly an anti-federalist majority. Article 2 of the United States Constitution established the executive branch and the office of the presidency. April 30th, 1789, George Washington was sworn in as the first president of the United States of America. Washington appointed Alexander Hamilton as the nation's first treasury secretary. 
Hamilton established financial policies that likely saved the United States from financial ruin. Hamilton had a history of being abrasive, and he constantly clashed with other members of the Washington administration, including Federalist Vice President John Adams and Anti-Federalist Secretary of State Thomas Jefferson. He and John Adams did not like or trust each other. He and Jefferson disagreed vehemently on many issues, including foreign policy and the role and power of the federal government over the states and individual citizens. His confrontational attitude and behavior would continue to define him throughout his life. After Washington's two terms as president, John Adams was elected the second president of the United States of America. It was during his presidency that war seemed imminent with France. A lot had happened since the French were our allies during the Revolutionary War. George Washington was called out of retirement to raise an army. He named Alexander Hamilton his second-in-command. After Washington's death in 1799, Hamilton assumed command of the army until the threat of war was over and Congress disbanded the army. Hamilton had a history of meddling, instigating, and manipulating in politics. Behind the scenes and through anonymous letters posted in newspapers, he tried to sway political outcomes as he had when writing most of the Federalist Papers. He lobbied behind the scenes against John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and Aaron Burr. The feud with Burr would turn out to be fatal. In 1800, Hamilton lobbied against fellow Federalist John Adams being re-elected president and privately circulated a pamphlet titled The Public Conduct and Character of John Adams, Esquire, President of the United States. Aaron Burr obtained a copy of the pamphlet and had it published. This fractured the Federalist electors and the Democratic-Republicans won. However, elections were very different back then. Voters didn't vote for presidents. Electors were chosen by each state to represent them, and in turn, those electors chose the president and vice president. They would cast a vote for president and vice president, but there was no way to differentiate the votes. The top vote-getter would be the president, and the next person would be the vice president. This is how Thomas Jefferson, who is a Democratic-Republican, became John Adams, who is a Federalist, vice president in 1797. Thomas Jefferson was the Democratic-Republican presidential candidate in 1800, and Aaron Burr was the Democratic-Republican vice presidential candidate. They ended up getting the same amount of votes. It was a tie. Now, most Federalists preferred Burr, but Hamilton actually preferred Jefferson. This was probably out of spite for what Burr had done to him. According to the Constitution, each state delegation in the House of Representatives would cast a vote to determine the presidency between Jefferson and Burr. The first 35 rounds ended in a tie. Hamilton lobbied for Jefferson and was able to convince several Federalists to switch their vote. In one letter, he described Burr as a man of extreme irregular ambition. He is selfish to a degree which excludes all social affections. He is inferior in real ability to Jefferson. Jefferson won on the 36th ballot. The controversies of the 1796 and 1800 elections led to the ratification of the 12th Amendment. 
1804 New York governor's race reignited the rivalry between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Vice President Aaron Burr decided to run for governor. Alexander Hamilton, of course, was opposed to Burr becoming governor. During the campaign, letters were published in the Albany Register alleging that Hamilton had made disparaging remarks about Burr at a dinner party. When Burr lost the election, he blamed Hamilton. Burr wanted retribution and challenged Hamilton to a duel. Hamilton was opposed to dueling as his son Philip was killed in a duel three years earlier. However, he felt he had to defend his honor as a man. Burr and Hamilton met at the dueling grounds in Weehawken, New Jersey, on July 11, 1804. Many believe that Hamilton missed his shot on purpose because of the way he had seen his son suffer years before. It was also not uncommon to miss on purpose. It was a way to save face and maintain honor. Burr, however, did not miss. Hamilton was mortally wounded and died the next day, July 12, 1804. Hamilton left an undeniable impact on the United States of America. He was a brave soldier and trusted advisor to George Washington during the Revolutionary War. His work lobbying against the Articles of Confederation were instrumental in having a constitutional convention. His Federalist Papers, in support of a stronger central government, helped get the Constitution ratified. He set forth policies that helped save the young nation from financial ruin as the first Treasury Secretary. Was he always right? No. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. But love him or hate him, Alexander Hamilton was a remarkable founding father, and he loved the United States of America. Thank you again, friends, for watching and listening to episode four of the History Revolution podcast. Remember, go to thehistoryrevolution.com slash Hamilton to download your free podcast companion. God bless you and see you again next week.